All right, Jay Schultz here, and it is time for Cinema Talk with Bruce and Jay. Thank you for tuning in here. Uh, and on the line, I have my very good friend, Bruce Stout. Bruce, how are you, sir? I'm well, sir. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing, fan, doing fantastic. It's good to talk to right you. On. Very good to talk to you. So, how you been? I've been well. I, I was kind of a little bit concerned because I know Harvard sometimes encounters tornadoes. I don't mean to change the subject, but did you guys weather tornadoes no, up there? In no, we were fine. There, there was there was some in uh, there was some in um, in Rockford, and uh, but there was nothing nothing that uh, came close to us. But I know Rogers Park, that, where, which is just north of where or just south of where you live, had uh, some tornado action. Me, yes. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, it, it blew my mind because Chicagoans generally, if you live downtown, you don't experience tornadoes. But yes, I did see that. But go ahead. It well, kind of scared me. A Bruce, bit. today is <laughs> today is August twelfth, and it is a day uh, past August eleventh. And August eleventh is uh, this August eleventh is the sixth anniversary of the passing of comedian actor uh, Ball of Energy Robin Williams, uh, who left us. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2014 at the age of 63 and he is going to be our uh, main discussion point today the career of robin williams but before we go on that we always kind of uh, look back over this past month and uh, see the actors and directors and you know stars that have left us so um without any further ado bruce i'd like you to start us off uh with the uh the first actress uh the actress on our list well, uh, yeah, let me start off with actress Kelly Preston, uh, also known as the wife of John Travolta. She passed away July 12th at the age of 57. Uh, Preston had 72 acting credits. I did not know that. Most notably, Jerry Maguire, uh, The Cat in the Hat, uh, What a Girl Wants, Twins, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I want to say Danny DeVito, and Space Camp. Uh, Yeah, she passed away, like I said, July 12th, the age of um, 57, so she had a pretty impressive career. Do you want me to go on, or do you want to... Yeah, you can go ahead and talk about our next person. Okay, the next one is TV talk show host, game show uh, host, singer, and TV personality Regis Philbin passed away uh, July 24th at the age of 88. Regis Philbin had 86 acting credits. I didn't know that. Most notably, Lie with Regis and Kathy Lee, as in Kathy Lee Gifford, and, of course, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And he was once referred to as the hardest working man in show business. So Philbin, you know, holds the world record for the most hours on, uh, excuse me, uh, U.S. television. That I didn't know. Yeah, it's he, impressive. I, he, um, I, I mean, really, he's a, a, a TV icon, you know, if you think about it. I mean, he, he's been on mm-hmm. our, been on our TV sets for years. And, you know, like yeah. you, you mentioned live with Regis and Kathy Lee. Now, you know, now it's not, uh, not what turned into which live with Regis and Kelly Ripa, I believe. Uh, and then who wants to be yeah. a millionaire? And those were, those were huge. So, uh, uh, rest in yeah. peace. Uh, Mr. Philbin, uh, I want to talk about yeah. the next one is uh, Chicago weatherman. 
uh, Jerry Taft. He passed away July 23rd at the age of 77. He was the chief meteorologist at WGN, where he worked for 34 years, uh, with a total of 42 years in the Chicago market. Uh, he is, um, wow, he just had a great career. And we, you know, if you lived in Chicago at all for any time or lived anywhere where you could watch WGN, you know who Jerry Taft is. I'll jump on the next Absolutely. one. Absolutely. And, and, and yeah. just real quickly, yeah, Jerry Taft was my go-to meteorologist. He just had so much knowledge. And according to his peers, he had sort of a caustic wit. So he had kind of like a funny sense of humor and just always smiling. So, yeah, Jerry Taft will definitely be missed. Go ahead, Bill. Yeah, no, I think he had uh, retired and moved to uh, Florida, and he was, he was a Uber driver or something like that. He just he wanted to talk to people, um, and that's, I mean, that's crazy. But, uh, I mean, it, it's just a, it's a great story, really, if it is, because he just loved, he had that personality where he wanted to be around people and talk to people. So rest yeah. in peace, Mr. Taft. Oh, yeah. um, this next actor was, you know, famous for being in like, you know, B grade movies and uh, horror movies as well. Actor John Saxon uh, passed away July 25th at the age of 83 with a huge 197 acting credits. You know, most notably uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Black Christmas from Dust to Dawn, and then way going way back to Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee. Bruce, yeah, uh, Bruce Lee. Bruce yeah, Lee. Yeah. All right, so you go with the next one. Well, um, I, I, I definitely uh, it, it's already hit the scene, but civil rights leader John Lewis passed away July 17th at the age of 80, and Mr. Lewis served in the U.S. House of Representatives for Georgia's 5th District from 1987 until his death. He is portrayed by actor Stephen James in the 2014 movie Selma, as in Selma, Alabama. His life is chronicled in the Netflix documentary, John Lewis, Good Trouble. Huge loss and a wonderful soul. Yes, you want me to keep going? Absolutely. No, um... I'll do the next one. Uh, that is actress Olivia de Havilland um, passed away July 27th at the age of 104. I did not even know she was still alive. Uh, they consider her the last remaining star from the golden age of cinema. Uh, Kurt Douglas passed away earlier this year at the age of 103. Um, she had 61 acting credits, uh, most notably Robin Hood, um, where she played Mary Marion, the Hyrus to each its own. Gone with the Wind, and The Snake Pit. Uh, she was nominated for five Academy Awards, winning two for The Hyrus and To Each His Own. And she won two Golden Globes for The Hyrus and Anastasia. Um, and oh, I'm sorry, The Hyrus and Anastasia, The Mystery of Anna. Now, the important thing I, about Olivia de Havilland, there's actually a law based on her where she was able to get out of her... Um, her uh, whatchamacallit, uh, contract with a studio. Because back then, what would happen is, is these studios would basically own you. You know, you signed a contract yeah. with them. But she went to court and sued and got out of her contract so she'd go, go work with another studio. Uh, and that, mm -hmm. is, that is a law. I mean, it's, I mean, it's named after her. So, uh, man, what a, what a great career. Um, I want you to go ahead and uh, move to our next one, number seven. 
Well, the next one is one of my favorite all-time directors, and that would be director Alan Parker, who passed away July 31st at the age of 76. Uh, Parker had 26 directing credits, most notably The Commitments, Mississippi Burning, by the way, that's one of my favorite films of all time, Angel Heart, The Life of David Gale, uh, Midnight Express, great film, Fame, another great film, and Evita. He was nominated for two Academy Awards for Best Director, uh, Mississippi Burning, great film, by the way, and Midnight (laughs) Express. I think Alan Parker's penchant, to me, is to direct films about very uncomfortable subjects, but that was totally his modus operandi. In other words, that was his M.O. That is exactly what he brought to the screen. So enough about Alan Parker. Do you want me to continue? Well, no. Uh, so real quickly, I will say that my uh, I love Alan Parker. I love his work. But my favorite work of his is uh, the movie The Commitments. And I remember seeing that at the Old Orchard Theater in Skokie, which no longer exists. They tore it down uh, years ago, right around 2000, I think. And uh, this, uh, I, I own the soundtrack to that movie. I haven't watched the movie in years, but I listen to the soundtrack all the time. It's a beautiful, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's all, you know, uh, you know, like Mustang Sally. It's all these, you know, there's this young group of, of, uh, of, 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 they wanted to form a band in Ireland. And, and you know, they love this type of music, you know, the old, the old you know, blues and jazz and rock from the, from the 50s and 60s. And, and they, you know, try a little tenderness. I mean, it's just, it's a terrific, terrific soundtrack and a wonderful movie. Uh, rest in peace, Alan yeah. Parker. So you jump into the next person then. Well, uh, Jay, you know my favorite film of all time. We've talked about this countless times, but actor Wilford Brimley passed away August 1st at the age of 85. Brimley had 77 acting credits, most notably Cocoon. I love that film, by the way. Absence of Malice. There's another film I really like. The Firm, The Thing. Tender Mercies, and here we go, ding, 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 The Natural One, you know, where he plays Pop Fisher. Uh, you know, you, you know my affection of that film. So shall we go on? No, so real to- quickly I want to talk about Wilford Brimley because I think it's important to, you know, my favorite role of his is in where he plays the, the judge in Absence of Malice. Um, you know, obviously, you know, The Natural, Pop, Pop, Pop Fisher, um, Pop yeah, Pop Fisher, but also there is where he plays the grandfather in Cocoon, and I want to play yep. that scene real quick because the backstory yeah. on the on the scene, Ron Howard talked about it. I follow Ron Howard on Twitter, and Mr. Howard yeah. said that you know, working with Wilford Brimley, who at the point at that point in time he was in his early fifties, right? I mean, and he was playing mm-hmm. someone who was in his seventies. And it's important to note sure. that when he when he did the natural, he was fifty one, and Robert Redwood was forty eight. You know, I mean, he, <laughs> you know, it, it, you know, just and, and, and Roy Hobbs is supposed to be like what in his thirty, you know, Robert yeah, Redwood is supposed late, to be late thirties, like late late thirties, right? Probably thirty five to you know thirty eight years Something old. Like yeah. But but anyway, um, I want to play this scene real because what Howard said <laughs> is, uh, you know, uh, Brimley, you know, with this scene uh didn't like how it was structured and he made suggestions to ron howard on on how they should do this scene uh and ron howard accepted it uh and so this scene in cocoon where he explains to his grandson that they're going to leave um 
you know, was basically how Brimley saw how it should be shot. So here it is real mm -hmm. quick. I got a couple of things I, I need to talk about with you. Yeah. Yeah. I guess me and your grandma are going away, David. Where to? Well, that's not important. What's important is that when we get where we're going, we'll never be sick, we won't get any older, and we won't ever die. Whoa. <laughs> You're joking me, right? No. Would I be able to visit you and Grandma? No. And we wouldn't be able to visit you either, and that kind of bothers me. All right, there's the scene. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. I'm sorry, Jake. No, ahead. that's okay. I mean, that's, the, you know, I, I, I just, Brimley was a, a, a wonderful actor, and if you listen to um, the stories on him, and he, he was... Um, he was in a Marine, which, you know, absolutely makes sense. Uh, he, mm -hmm. um, he started out working in movies. He, his job was shoeing horses. He was working on Westerns. I mean, all of the, those two things make sense, that this guy was a Marine and that he started out working with horses in, in the movies. And the guy, he was just seemed that way. Mm -hmm. He seemed, you know, rough. Uh, you know, that guy be out in the nature, and, and that, that's who he was. He was a wonderful actor, and uh, he will definitely be missed. So um, I'll do the last he one. Will if you, be, but yeah. let me, let me leave uh, yeah. Wilford Brimley. I always loved it, it. To me, it's so fitting. The last time I released, and it wasn't a film credit, a credit of Wilford Brimley, but I think he was like right up until, you know, the present day, I think he was doing like oatmeal commercials. Right, that's or right. He was some kind of commercial, and the tagline was, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And who better <laughs> than Wilford Brimley to tell you <laughs> yeah, exactly. the right no question. thing to do? You to no anyway, question. All right. All right. So, so yep, all right. the last one here real quick is uh, actor Rennie Santoni, uh, who passed away August 3rd at the age of 81. Uh, he had 103 acting credits. Most notably, uh, in the very first Dirty Harry movie, he played Harry's, uh, you know, Clint Eastwood's partner, Chico. And then he also had this recurring role on Seinfeld called Poppy. Um, he was a wonderful actor. He also appeared in Cobra, uh, Bad Boys. I think he, he played uh, uh, Sloan's uh, partner in Bad Boys, Cobretti. You know, I can't remember what his first name was. But uh, he played his partner in The Package, the movie with Gene Hackman filmed in Chicago. <laughs> This, uh, yeah, summer rental, only you, and he was actually in the movie Groundhog Day. Uh, I think his voice. I think his voice was used. Though. I don't think he actually ever came to Woodstock and and was in Woodstock, sure. Illinois, for filming. So, Bruce, let's jump. Let's, let's jump right to it because we want to talk about Robin Williams. And um, I'll start off here real quick. Uh, uh, and I just let everyone know I read the biography uh, Robin uh, by Dave Itzkoff. Uh, that what came out a couple of years ago, my daughter gave it to me, sat on the shelf. And then we, when we decided to do a segment on Robin Williams, I, I read this entire book and it's wonderful. Uh, but he was born, he was born in July 21st, 1951 in Chicago. 
Um, Guys, he, August 11, 2014. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm no, that's all right. No, he, no, yeah, you know, 63 later, he pass, passes away August 11th. Uh, he committed suicide. He had a uh, condition that he didn't know at that point. Um, I didn't. It, uh, he had Louis body Louis dementia. Body, yeah. yeah, Louis do- right. body dementia. Um, he... His, his he was his family was wealthy. He wasn't. He didn't grow up in a poor family. Um, they, he, his father was an executive for Ford. Uh, from Chicago, they moved to Detroit. Uh, he went from different school to different school, and eventually, they when his father left Ford and went to, they moved out to San Francisco or to the Bay Area. Yeah, and I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure what his father. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure what his father was doing at that time. He had a very very uh, interesting childhood. But Bruce, I wanted you to talk about uh, his schooling that he had uh, that left an important mark on him. Go ahead. Well, being an actor and studying acting, um, you know, not only Robin Williams, but also Christopher Reeve, uh, we all know better as Superman, um, they both attended Juilliard School on a full scholarship in 1973. He was one of only 20 students accepted in the freshman class. And as I mentioned, he and Christopher Reeve were the only two accepted by John Houseman, I'm sure you know who that is, into the advanced program. William Hurt, Mandy Pantikin, and Kelsey Grammer also were in his class. And we know what, you know, what happened to them and it's great accolades. Do you want me to go on? Absolutely. Well, William, Robin Williams and Christopher Reeve were close friends until Reeve passed away in 2004 after Reeve was paralyzed due to a horse, uh, a horse riding accident, unfortunately. Williams paid his medical bills and provided financial support to his family. Thanks to you, Jay. I didn't know that. Um, well, let me say, let me let me say there, there's a the famous story, uh, and which is true, uh, when Christopher Reeve is in the, you know, they found out, uh, Rob Williams found out about, and his wife and uh, him flew to where I cannot remember where the accident occurred, but uh, so Rob, you know, Christopher Reeve is in the hospital room, and they're, they're prepping him for surgery, I think, to reattach his his spine. Mm-hmm. Um, and Robin Williams comes bursting in the room dressed up as a doctor using the Russian voice talking about he needs to do a proctology exam on Christopher Reeve. <laughs> I, he, I mean, he loved they, they were best friends. He loved him. And it was it was heartbreaking for him to watch his best friend um, like this. Yeah, yeah. And this goes a lot to probably what we see at the end of Robin's life, right, where he sees... Yes. Uh, what, yeah, well, what yeah. he where he sees what what happened to his friend happening to him, where yeah. he's losing his ability to control his body yeah. and his mind, yeah. right? So, I mean, it's it kind of leads into it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. There's no question. But uh, we'll go ahead. Um, if you if you go back you to know, Juilliard, go ahead. I know I kind of like what you say about urban legends. So, yeah. moving along, you know, Robin Williams began a career in stand-up comedy in, of all places, San Francisco in 1976. Uh, He won, and I didn't know this, he won a Grammy Award 
for Best Comedy Album in 1979, and the name of that was called Reality, What a Concept. And I'm going to share a personal moment about that. Before that actual album was released, you know, Reality, What a Concept, my only acclamation to Robin Williams was Mork, and that was it. And now, uh, you know, he won the Grammy Award. Now he's doing stand-up and talking about things that were not so much Happy Days or Laverne and Shirley or Mork and Mindy. Now he's addressing alcoholism and drugs and so forth, but it was a huge success. But anyway, he won the Grammy uh, for Best Comedy Album in 1979, Reality What a Concept. And as we all know, he appeared as Mork from Mork on Happy Days in 1978, which led to his casting on Mork and Mindy TV show 1978 through all the way till 1982. And at its peak, the show drew 60 million viewers a week. That's pretty amazing. It so is. do you want me to take over? No, no, no. So real Please? quick, I just wanted to, you know, share the story of how he got on Happy Days. Um, yeah, I happened to watch the retrospective on Gary Marshall, uh, Director Gary Marshall, uh, who passed away earlier this year. And Marshall oh, no. Marshall talked about um, that his son had wasn't really interested in Happy Days, and he asked him, well, what, what, what is it missing? He said, well, it needs astronauts. It needs something from space. And he's like, well, this isn't a space show. This is a, right. But they come, they come, yeah, they come, so they come up with a concept that they're going to do a show about, it's called, actually, the name, the title of the show is My Favorite Orkin. And so they cast someone to play that role of Mork for Mork. Well, that guy, whoever it was, quit the show two days before the show was going to go to be filmed. And mm-hmm. at that point, Happy Days was fi- being filmed in front of a studio, studio audience. So they had to find someone. So someone recommended to Gary Marshall, Rob Williams, there's a whole other backstory on that. And so he brought this guy in. And they brought, they brought in Williams, and no one could – I mean, he came in and changed everything. He, I mean, he walked in on the set, and they, they couldn't keep up with him because he was, he was so much quicker. He was so much – his mind operated at a different level than ours. I mean, he, you know, he go from thing to thing. And, um, you know, Marshall said at the end of the show, you know, they bring Robin Williams out and the audience gave him a standing ovation and they hadn't had that, I believe on the show ever before he, he said it was something. And then, you know, of course, you know, they were looking for a show. He Marshall got uh, approaches and it's from the executives at ABC and said, we need another show. And he said, well, I got this guy. We just need to build a show around this guy. And, you know, that leads to uh, Mork and Mindy. And, you know, Pam Dauber was actually, I think she was actually cast on another show and they broke her contract on that show and said, we want you on this show. We need a straight person to go with this ball of energy. We need someone to, to balance him. You know, and you we, know, we need we need a, a Mindy to sort of balance off more. Right. And well, that Pam Darber is the perfect person to balance off. You know, Robin because he's all in, and like you say, he was. I'm sure if he walked on set, it's almost like you can't keep up with him. He's just got that much energy. So yes, I do agree with you. It's like Pam Darber was. The straight man. Yeah, she had to. Well, she had to be, and she had to learn how to. Because she talks about the fact um, uh, that 
excuse me, that she had never worked improv before. And, you know, one of the big things with Robin is improv because he's always, he doesn't go online. But the, but the other thing about Robin that people, you know, come to find out is that he could, you could give him the script and he had a photographic memory. He could he could look at it. For, mm-hmm. He could look at the script for fifteen minutes, and he was ready to go. He didn't need to study sure. it overnight. He didn't need to. I mean, he was he was ready to go with it. Now, I mean, obviously, Williams is famous for for you know going off script, and they, they'll talk about that. Uh, but oh, yeah? yeah, but he you know he was very very good at it. And Dauber just had to be able to roll with what he was throwing at her, and she did a really 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 good job. Now that's a show that burned pretty quickly because they kind of changed the, the focus of it that first year was a huge hit but then they started to they took away the the strange fascination with the world that that, that um mork had they made it more of a you know the, and that kind of killed up it. a really good point yeah. what i really love and I, I totally agree with you what i loved about mork and mindy if you remember the structure of the sitcom let's say between 1978 and 1982 what Robin Williams Mork at the conclusion of any episode, he's sort of reporting back. I can't remember who, you know, who he's to Orson. Mork calling Orson. Come in, Orson. Orson, Orson, right. And so what Robin Williams as Mork would do is he's like, Boy, these human beings are very peculiar. You know, it's yeah. like I don't know why they behave the way they do. And I love that series, and I love the the sort of um, precipice that he came at the end. He's like, well, we crash at someone's, you know. But anyway, and I, I really admired that. So anyway, go ahead. Do you I'm remember? Sorry. No, no, no. Do you remember there was an episode actually where he meets himself, where Mork meets Robin Williams? So <laughs> yes, I do. And. Uh, <laughs> And actually, the the um, the ending where he talks to Orson isn't laugh filled. Yeah. It isn't supposed to be funny. He's talking about what it's like to be a star and what it take yeah. what it takes away from you. And it's very very yeah. very very interesting that 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 commentary was brought onto the show. But I mean, he you know. Yeah. Uh, and the other big note about that about Mor- um, Morgan Minnie is if you remember. Um, Jonathan Winters was on the show for for quite a while, and Jonathan John, and Jonathan Winters, Robin Williams worshipped Jonathan Winters, and uh, I know you know, and if, you know if you remember, I mean they did because Winters was very much there was a famous you know thing on Carson the the stick episode with uh, Jonathan Winters where he takes a stick and he improvises with for like for fifteen minutes right on on Carson, you know, and and uh, yes, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. so I mean. <laughs> Those two were very much alike. And Winters, you know, just like Williams, um, had a lot of personal battles. I mean, he was an alcoholic, you know, where Robin Williams was a drug addict. Um, you know, I mean, they, so they both kind of, you know, went through those type of things. So, Bruce, kind of let me let me lead us through here real quick because I just want to highlight some other things. We don't need to go through all of it. Um, David Letterman. Well, so the thing is, he was a obviously Williams was very popular with with uh, talk shows. Uh, he included yeah. the Tonight Show and Johnny Carson. If you remember, he was one. He was one of the final two guests on on the Tonight Show. Uh, Bette Midler uh, and Rob Williams. Right, yeah. right around the time he resigned. Yeah, Johnny well, it, Carson, it was his last show. Bette Midler and, mm-hmm. and Rob Williams were on the on the very very last show, and he was on. He's yeah. been on the Letterman show like fifty times. Well, the thing is, Letterman um, saw him 
perform uh, before he ever met him at the comedy store in Hollywood. And the direct quote from Letterman is, I thought to myself, holy crap, there goes my chance in the business after seeing Rob Williams. Because <laughs> no one had ever seen anyone like this guy before who could just get up on stage and just take over. And he, and he, and he would you know, be playing with the crowd. He would grab items from people and just go. And, and no one had ever seen anything like this. this guy just took over a room and you didn't know what to do. You know, he just, he was very, very different. Um, you know, he formed, you know, Comic Relief with Whoopi Goldberg and Billy mm-hmm. Crystal. With Whoopi Goldberg, right. Yeah, and they ran that from 1986 uh, until, I think I think it's still going, but it's it's a little bit different now. But uh, as of 2014, they had raised $80 million. Now, uh, here's another thing that he was friends with John Belushi. He was one mm-hmm. of the last people to see Belushi alive. Uh, alive yes. he, he went out with Belushi on his last night, and he went to this apartment, and there was some woman there, and I can't remember what her name is, but she is the woman who gave uh, the the eight ball that killed John Belushi came from Belushi, her. Right. Yeah, yeah, came from her, and uh, Robin Williams like had a set. He didn't really. He had a really sense that something was wrong in that apartment, so he left. He, you know, before they even started taking drugs, he left, and unfortunately, that was the last time that John Belushi was seen alive. Rob Williams was one of the last two people. Um, he was married. Now I want you to jump in on this because you wanted you wanted to talk a little bit about this. But he had been married. Three, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah okay. Well, so he ahead. he was okay. married three times. Uh, Valerie Villardi from nineteen seventy eight to nineteen eighty eight. Marcia mm-hmm. Garces from 1989 to 2010, and and yeah. Susan Schneider. He married her in 2011. So you uh, yeah. saw some things from Susan. You wanted to talk about. You know, I really think Susan Schneider. If I'm pronouncing her name right, if you look at you know online any um, sort of discussion about you know uh, how Robin Williams left us, it's really heartbreaking. And the other thing I wanted to address about Robin Williams is that he he was like limitless, meaning improv comedy. He was. You could give him a microphone, and I think he even appeared on Whose Line Is It Anyway? I have a college chum that actually Brad Sherwood is on or was on that show. But getting back to Susan Shiner, it really was heartbreaking. Um, And there's this kind of prevalent theme that all these wonderful comedians like John Belushi, for example, they've given us so much laughter and so much joy. But inside, there's this, like, internal turmoil. That's all I'm saying. I don't mean to preach. Go ahead. No, well, and, you know, the thing about Williams is that, you know, this this exterior of him that you saw was this very outgoing, very, you know— you would think extrovert, he would. You would think yes. he, an extrovert. You think he's and extroverts are normally very confident. He was not a confident person. He was. Mm-mm. He was always seeking approval. He was always and and you know Pam Dauber said that whenever they did the show, if they had to film the show without an audience, he couldn't stand that. He wanted an audience. Yeah. He want. He wanted. He needed that input to tell him how he was doing. He would, you know, directors talked about how he would film a scene and he'd be like, no, I don't, I don't like, let's do it again. Let's do it. And the director's like, no, 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 that's what I want. He's like, no, I don't like that. I want to, you know, he, all, he was always critical of his work and of himself. himself. He, was, he didn't, yeah. he, he didn't have, he, he lacked confidence. And it, it's crazy that you think to say the word that Robin Williams was not confident. That doesn't make any sense at all. This guy got, you know, yeah. he'd get in front of people and just go nuts, but he, 
you know, he just he thrived on that attention and that approval from the audience. If he didn't have it, you know, he had some real issues. And, you know, later on in life, when uh, I think when he was back in San Francisco, he, there was like a, a local comedy club. He would go and perform. He would go in and sit and watch, and he'd go up on stage and perform. Uh, and, he, and he'd call. He basically said, I want to play. And so they'd let him go out and play. And he'd go out in front of the audience because that's what he wanted. He wanted to be in front of that audience. He wanted that input. You know, he wanted – he just – he thrived on that stuff. And, and, uh, and I did, it, did thrive on it, and I'll, I'll, I'll go you one further, yeah. Jay. I really – honest to goodness, I feel like Robin Williams, whether he was being paid or not, he would have done it anyway. He would have done it for free. It's like a professional athlete, you know what yeah. I mean? He had so much passion for his stand-up bit and, you know, performing for people, he probably would do it for free. That's all. Well, and, and, and that could be, you know, by some of the roles he took. And that, the last thing before we jump into his movies, you know, he was famous for, for cameo roles. Several of them he was uncredited in. Uh, there's the Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Uh, he plays the mm-hmm. king of the, he plays this part called the King of the Moon, and he's he he's credited on the uh, in the in the film as his name is Rady Tutu, not Robin Williams. I mean, and then he right. was also he right. was very very good films with uh, friends. I'm sorry with Bobcat Goldwaite, and yes. so he was in the movie Shakes the Clown, and he plays this this mime, this plays <laughs> yeah, this mime teacher film, right mime teacher named Jerry mime Jerry. Oh, Shakes the Clown's awesome, great film, very dark, but. Fantastic, but anyway, he's he's credited as pseudonym Marty Fromage. I mean, he um, he was in Too Long Fu, Thanks for Everything, with Julie Newmar, and he's credited as John Jacob. Uh, oh, he plays a character. I'm sorry, John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt, and he's uncredited in the movie. Yeah, so he doesn't. Even, you know, he he wanted to. He loved to be in movies. He loved to be on the stage. He loved to be in front of people. But he was. I mean, the, but he didn't have. It, it, it's it, it's it's complete opposite because he didn't have confidence. It's really strange that he loved that, but he also w- was really wanting that approval. And you know, he was really self doubting. It's just. It, it really doesn't isn't logical in a sense. But I mean, that's who he was, and he was he was amazing. So let's jump, Bruce. I want you know, to jump Jay, in. It, yeah. is, it is counterintuitive. It is counterintuitive. Um, yeah. He was born to serve. I, I think the semantic is he was born to serve humanity, and he did that so effectively. But what do we hear time and time again? Whatever stand up comedy, especially Robin Williams, he was so willing and able to make us laugh right. or smile or all the above. But he couldn't save his own life. So I don't mean to preach. But yes, you want me to uh, launch into my favorite film credit? Yeah, we're going to. Well, so we, we always do. We always talk about our, our favorite movies from uh, the actors or the directors that we're talking about. So let's jump sure. into um, uh, your two honorable mentions. Let's go through those real quick. Sure. No problem. Uh, my honorable mentions are number one, Good Will Hunting, that was released in 1997, directed by Gus Van Sant. And depending on who you talk to, he's a great director, and I feel that way. Starring Robin Williams, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Casey Affleck, uh, Cole Hauser, uh, Stellan Skarsgård, and Minnie Driver, who's 
by the way, very pretty. Um, <laughs> and Goodwill Hunting, I think, is a testament to we're kind of accustomed to Robin Williams being a goofball and making all these jokes. But by contrast, uh, Goodwill Hunting is a tremendous credit to him for a very serious role. And he's not, you know, like like you were mentioning Johnny Johnny Carson. No, he's not like his goofball. It's a very serious role. And he cries in it, and so does uh, Matt Damon. Um, okay, do you want my second? No, so mention? real quickly, I mean, this is the movie, uh, you know, many people will call this movie the pinnacle of William's career. He wins the Academy Award yeah. for Best Supporting sure. Actor. I think it was his third, he was third nomination. I don't think he was nominated after that. Um, wonderful role opposite Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Um, it sure. really, it really is one of my favorite movies all the time, but it, it gets a lot of plays and we wanted to talk about his other films. So go ahead and talk about your other, uh, honorable mention. My second honorable mention would be Dead Poet Society. I saw that in the theater upon its release in 1989, directed by Peter Weir, who's a great director. And again, starring Robin Williams, Robert Sean Leonard, Ethan Hawke, and Josh Charles. And I think the indelible thing about Goodwill Hunting is I think before that film, I was probably like 23 years old or something, but before that film, I had no clue what the Latin term meant, uh, carpe diem, which you later find out that's a Latin translation of seize the day. And I think if you're going to derive anything from Dead Poet Society, it's that figure of speech. And it's so resonant. And I can't to recommend uh, Dead Poets Society more. Uh, it was Robin Williams like we've never seen him. So go ahead. Well, and so, yeah, Let's absolutely. And and uh, this is one of the two clips that I that I recorded that I want to play for everyone because I think it's important because you, you mentioned that, you know, most people, when you think of Robin Williams, you think of this comedian. And he was a, he was a serious actor, and he was a very yeah, good, very good serious actor. And this shows right in the scene. And here we go. It does. Here we go. Words and language. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. Now, see that look in Mr. Pitt's eye, like 19th century literature, <laughs> has nothing to do with going to business school or medical school, right? Maybe. Mr. Hopkins, you may agree with them, thinking, yes, we should simply study our Mr. Pritchard and learn our rhyme and meter and go quietly about the business of achieving other ambitions. <laughs> a secret for you. Huddle up. Huddle up! <laughs> we don't read and write poetry because it's cute. We read and write poetry because we are members of the human race. And the human race is filled with passion. And medicine, law, business, engineering, these are noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life. But poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are what we stay alive for. It's a quote from Whitman. Oh me, oh life of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish. What good amid these, oh me, oh life? Answer, that 
you are here. That life exists in identity. That the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a voice. That the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. What will your verse be? All right. Well, I mean, th you know, I cannot, pi I cannot picture another actor reading those lines. He absolutely crushes that scene. It's an amazing read. It, it really is. I mean, I, <laughs> I'd probably have to walk away in tears after watching that film live. I mean, I, you know, I. Oh, with goosebumps. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I know you play the sound clip, and I really enjoyed that. You're absolutely right. But I'm paraphrasing here. But as far as Dead Poet Society, I'm kind of paraphrasing here. I'm not yeah. quoting him directly, but Robin Williams, he plays John Keating. But right. what I love about that film, and it is a very moving soundbite that you provided me with, but also it's like I think at one point early on in the film he says there's a reason why people write poetry and so he's you know a boys school professor but what he loved about that is he said you know people think that they uh master poetry for all the wrong reasons the whole point of mastering poetry is to get girls right right exactly to, <laughs> no, no i think he didn't he didn't say, he didn't say get girls he didn't yeah. say he said to woo women right it, right right. To, right exactly <laughs> i mean no and he's right i mean he's right i mean it, it, it is it is I don't know how he didn't. I kept trying to remember. I think Dustin Hoffman won the Academy Award that year for Rain Man. Year, okay, I get. Yes. Okay, I get it. All right, oh, I, I get I it. Mean, all right, because. but but I don't know how. I don't know how. You don't. This that's that's beautiful. It's an amazing piece of work. So let me give me, let yeah. me give you yeah. my two honorable mentions real quick, and I could do multiple. There's so many. There's so many. Yeah. So there's well, there's Jumanji. Uh, filmed in 1995, yeah. directed by Joel Johnston. Joe Johnston starring mm -hmm. Robin Williams, Kirsten Dunst, Bonnie Hunt, Baby Newworth, David Allen Greer, mm -hmm. Patricia Clarkson, and Bradley oh. Pierce. So, uh, you know, this is a fun movie. Kids love this film. And I love this film because my kids watched it all the time. Watched it all the time. And yeah. a couple of years ago, we had the, uh, the new sequels, and they paid tribute to uh, Robin Williams' character in the movie. Um, I think mm -hmm. his, name, his name was Alan Shepard. And uh, the Rock and the, whoever was else in the in the new movie, they find right. a fort. Yeah. You know, the, Alan Good. Alan Shepard was 1995, here. Nineteen ninety-five. That's a long time ago. It was twenty-five years ago, actually. Uh, and the other movie yeah, is um, the other runner-up for me, real quick, is The Birdcage, directed by Mike there Nichols, another another outstanding <laughs> director, starring Robin Williams, Nathan Lane, Gene Hackman, Diana Weiss. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. Yeah. Diana Weiss, Dan Futterman, Callista Flockhart. Hank Azaria and Christine Baranski. And th the, the thing about this movie that stands out is that it is a comedy, but Williams doesn't do any comedy in this movie. That comedy piece, there's two, Nathan Lane and Hank Azaria. Williams is the straight man here, and he does an amazing job because Nathan Lane is just chewing up scenery as this you know, extremely gay, you know, uh, actor. And Hank Azaria is this extremely gay housekeeper. And they're trying to hide their identities from um, uh, Gene Hackman, who plays a U.S. senator and his wife coming to meet. Right. And, 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 and here's Williams playing the owner of this club who's, you know, Dealing with all this and dealing with his son coming home with the with their the, her the, his fiance to meet the senator and Williams is the straight guy 
and he, he yeah. again, he nails this. I mean, this guy was a classic. He went to Juilliard. Okay, you know, you, you're not, uh, you know, you're going to Juilliard. The names you mentioned, Christopher Reeve, William Hurt, Academy Award winner, you know, Mandy Patinkin, unbelievable name on stage and screen. You know, think the Princess Bride, think Avita on stage. I mean, this guy was he played Shay on stage in the original production of Avita. I mean, he, you know, you're not this is not this is the top notch acting, you know, creation area uh, place in the world. Juilliard. I mean, he. Mm-hmm. Rob Williams was unbelievably talented, and he showed you in this one. So I want you to do your number three. My number three is, okay, Yeah, it's a film, Jay, you and I both like. We both love this film. It was released in 1991, directed by Terry Gilliam from Monty Python of fame. Stars, of course, Robin, Jeff Bridges, uh, Mercedes Rule. Who won the Academy Award. She won the Academy Award for her performance. Yeah, and Amanda Plummer. Um, It's just, uh, what do we talk about Monty Python? You sort of have to be in the joke or not, you know what I mean? And it's just kind of this wonderful comedic performance by him. And if I'm not mistaken, he plays a homeless person. That's correct. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the whole yeah. the whole the whole movie, you know, Jeff Bridges plays this shock jock radio DJ who's going to get his big break, and, um, and, and, and 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 an action that he commits ends up leading to Robin Williams being this homeless person, right? Mm-hmm. And he find, figures this out later on that he is it is his fault that Robin Williams suffered this heartbreaking thing that broke him. And he has to save him. Right. And that's, you know, and that's what the basically what the movie's about. And we don't you know, I, I think I said mm-hmm. that without giving away anything. Um, but no, it, it, Williams, you know, this is where he kind of gets to play. Right. Because he gets to be a homeless person. He can kind of really go off script and do some really weird things. And it's a wonderful film. It really is an amazing movie. It really isn't. It wants, in my opinion, multiple viewing. It really is. It, it catches you off guard. So should I go to number two? Or you, you, you go to your number two. Your... You go to your number two, then I'll do my number three and my number two. No problem. Number two is Awakenings. That's a 1990 release. It's directed by Penny Marshall, a.k.a. Laverne. <laughs> Laverne. Daughter of, Gary, daughter of Gary Marshall. Exactly, the godfather of, and oh, that's my opinion, but Gary Marshall is definitely the godfather of like 70s sitcoms, I mean, does a very good job, but of course it it stars Robin, it stars Robert De Niro, and in my opinion, as far as Robert De Niro goes, we're kind of acclimated to him being a badass, a mafiosa, uh, a criminal, and so forth. But by contrast, uh, Awakenings is a totally different side of Robert De Niro. He is this vulnerable. I think he has autism, if I'm not mistaken. No, they have they have now, this disease that causes them to. They're alive, but their body doesn't function, right? And exactly. and Williams 
character figures out a way to w- awaken them, right? And that's what this is based on. The, them, yes. Yeah, based on the true story. And again, here's another movie where Williams plays the straight role. He plays this. There is no comedy involved in this movie. He plays the straight exactly. role. Exactly, yeah. and that's refreshing. That's brand new yeah. Yeah. because we're so used to him being a goofball. Yeah. But okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, okay. So. So my number three real quick, and I will play a clip from it because I think we need to do that. It'll kind of uh, wake everyone up. That's right. Wake up. It's already is. Good morning, Vietnam. Hey, this is not a test. (laughs) This is rock and roll. Time to rock it from the Delta to the DMZ. Is that me or does that sound like an Elvis Presley movie? Viva Danang. <laughs> oh, Viva Danang. Danang me, Danang me. Why don't they get a rope and hang me? Yeah, all right. Well, that uh, obviously, Good Morning Vietnam, directed by Barry Levinson, uh, 1987. Uh, starring Robin Williams, Bruno Kirby, uh, outstanding actor, died way too young. Forrest Whitaker, Forrest Whitaker Academy Academy Robert Award Wall winner. Yeah, Robert Wall, J.T. Oh. Walsh, who passed away a couple of years ago. Wonderful cast where he plays, Williams plays, uh, uh, based on a true life story of Adrian Cronauer, who was a uh, DJ mm-hmm. in Vietnam. I mean, that's what he did. Uh, now, he didn't have, he wasn't this extreme DJ like William. I mean, they took some creative licenses with that. But uh, this is, again, this is a role where you see the opposite of Dead Poets Society, where he is allowed to, you know, to improvise, to use his comedic talent to, you yes. know, to do something. And I think they filmed him for hours sitting in that studio. They just and then they just pulled out the scenes they wanted to use. I mean, but he loved. Oh man, he just loved being in front of that microphone and just going. Uh, it's really uh, a good movie. Any thoughts from you? You know, the thought that I, I, I would give you, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, I, I wasn't on the production set, but you're absolutely right. He was sort of like enabled to be improvisational. And the director, Barry Levinson, and you know me very well, uh, Barry Levinson also directed The Natural, my favorite film of all <laughs> yeah. time. But, yeah. but that is, is a film with a lot of heart. And so I do agree with you. Maybe he was just given, like, it's almost like taking a dog out of its leash. Yeah. All yeah. right. Yeah. No, hey. terrific. All right. The, my, my next movie is the first movie that I ever saw Robin Williams in. In. And I saw this uh-huh. at the College Hill Cinema, you know, which was about okay. a, a block and a half from where I lived. And it is The uh-huh. World According to Garp. Um, and this is a movie directed by George Roy Hill, of course, starring mm-hmm. Robin, premiering the very first performance by actress Glenn Close, who was nominated for Academy Award for her role. John Lithgow. Yep. John Jenny Lithgow. Fields, Jenny Fields. G- yep. yep. John Lithgow was also I'm, in this yeah, movie. He was also nominated for the Academy Award. Mary Beth Hurt. Yep. Um, Hume yep. Crone, Jessica Tandy, and Amanda Plummer. Uh, this uh, It's a wonderful film. It is uh, like one of those life-affirming you know, movies. Uh, it, sure. and, and really, this is where you saw, this is 1982, this is where you saw that Williams had the ability that 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 acting ability that he he didn't just have to be a comedian on screen on screen he True. could he could yeah. carry a movie as a serious actor so let's go to your yes. number number 1 film 
My number one film is sort of the antithesis of what we've come to sort of expect about Robin Williams. And the reason why I chose the film is One Hour Photo, uh, released in 2002, directed by Mark, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Romanek, and it stars Robin, uh, Connie Nielsen, Michael Vartan, and Gary Cole. And like I said, it's the antithesis of what we've come to expect from Robin Williams. Now he is this very, if you watch one hour photo, he's this very dark, disturbed. Um, there's nothing like, in my opinion, the least bit um, comedic about it. It's very straightforward and it's kind of creepy. And, you know, I would recommend it if you want to see a showcase of Robin Williams. But on the other hand, if you are sensitive, it, it, that could be a very disturbing film to watch. So, well, and anyway, he, he works at, point. doesn't he work like at a one-hour photo? And he, yes, he does. Photo, which don't, they don't really exist anymore. Who takes film to get, didn't even make film anymore. I don't think <laughs> they do. But anyway, so Williams becomes obsessed with his family, if I, if I remember this right. And it, it, it really is a right. creepy, creepy role for him. Uh, and I compare it yeah. to around the same time he did the movie Insomnia, directed by Christopher Nolan, where he plays a serial killer, and and Al Pacino yeah. plays uh, the uh, the police officer who's hunting him. So my number one film, mm-hmm. Bruce, um, and and sure. it is Aladdin, um, and um, sure. there is a lot of story with Robin Williams and Disney. Uh, and there was a period of time that Robin Williams, after Aladdin, would not work with Disney because in his agreement was that with them is that he, they would not use his voice or his image to promote their products, which they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they did, and he was not happy with them. I mean, it was it was it was a very contentious uh, situation. He eventually came back mm-hmm. to Disney and started doing films with them again. But Aladdin, um, this is 1992, directed by Ron Clements. And John Musker and Robin John Williams Musker. is a genie. He didn't want and and here's the other thing is he didn't want to do the role, and the because he didn't want to be involved in animation. But the what the animators did is or what the the producers did they had the animators draw his um, him in character based upon one of his comedy skits, and then they showed him that. And he was sold on it and decided to play the genie in Aladdin, Disney's Aladdin. And um, uh, just a side note, I watched a movie yesterday, documentary yesterday called Life Animated about an autistic boy who learned to speak to his parents by watching Disney films. He memorized every Disney movie, every animated Disney movie, and that's how he spoke to them. And he met um, Gilbert Gottfried and Jonathan Freeman actually came to visit him. Uh, at, during the movie, which is really, oh. he was in his like twenties. Jonathan Freeman, who played Jafar, and you know, Gilbert Godfrey played Jafar's parrot. So yeah, Aladdin is my uh, my favorite uh, Robin Williams role. Uh, you know, it goes a lot because you watch it all. And he mimics uh, Jack Nicholson. Yes, as yes, Aladdin, yep. or the genie. Yep. You know, the big blue genie, and he like mimics yep. uh, Jack Nicholson. Before we go, no, uh, Jay, I, I want to leave you with this about um, Robin Williams, and I think it's very resonant. 
is that Robin Williams was talented in so many different venues. I mean, television, film, stand-up comedy, on and on. You know, we all know his resume, his, you know, accolades. But what I think Robin Williams did most effectively is precisely what George Carlin described as as sort of like his his resume or his job description and i think it's so true with robin williams and the legacy and he, george Cohen says he just says simply well that's my job i'm pointing out you know different things about the human condition that you failed to realize the first time around. So what I mean by that is, I think Robin Williams was so effective at pointing out the foibles that we have, you know, in the human experience. But it was done, especially Robin Williams. It, it was done with an affectionate heart. In other words, yes, he's kind of like making fun, <laughs> making fun of the whole human experience but he's doing it with a heart he's doing it with compassion that's it i'm done no (laughs) no i appreciate that input and i i will leave this will be my last statement um in the book uh you know by david iskoff uh, um about robin the biography uh in the epilogue at the end of the book he talks about meeting robin williams in new york uh to talk about the book and robin williams wanted to go to this comedy to this uh, comic book store uh, and sure. shop in 2009, and he goes in the store, and people are starting to recognize that Williams is in there. And obviously, you know, there's that shock value from that. Well, Williams walks up to this woman to go buy her, and she doesn't. She's not paying attention to Williams, and well, you know, she turns around and sees Robin Williams, and and she says, "Oh my God, it's you!" And he says, <laughs> he says, he says, he says very quietly, "Yes, it is." And very humbly, "Yes, it is." And Itzkoff's point was. That Robin Williams, and he wrote it you know, much more eloquently than I'm going to say it, but that Robin Williams lived every day of his life for over 30 years where he wasn't, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a normal life, right? He couldn't go places without people, you know, that's Robin Williams and, and not thinking you're real and that he couldn't have a, a normal life or normal anything, right? I mean, because of who he was. And he really yeah. he wanted normal. Well, he, he, he it was strange because he wanted different things, right? He wanted he wanted to be in uh, in front of that audience because he needed that approval. But then also he wanted a normal too, and and it's very hard to have that. So it's it's golf really you know kind of closed off his book really really well. It's a it, it, he had a great life, and we you know we all miss him. He, he was amazing. Yeah, he I, really I, was amazing. So hey, Bruce, I've got to run, but uh, wonderful topic. I know you we will talk next month, my friend, all right? Absolutely, Jay. Always a pleasure to be here. And, yeah, we'll talk next month. I'll be in contact soon. Jay, thanks for the privilege.